Hello, I'm Natasha Mirosh. And I'm Sam Donsky. Welcome to Extra Virgin Postcards, where we invite a guest from around the world to share what they love about where they live, the best things to see and do, and where and what to eat. You'll get insights that only a local would know. So whether you're looking for destination inspiration, or you're just armchair travelling, let this Extra Virgin Postcard take you away. Hi, my name is Juan Carlos Thomas. I'm a writer and I live in Madrid, Spain. Madrid is the capital and is situated smack bang in the middle of the Iberian Peninsula. So if you join Spain and Portugal together, it's pretty much in the center. I moved here with my husband in June 2019. I wanted to come here to explore my family's history, improve my Spanish, and of course, it's a really interesting city for food. And obviously, being in the middle of Spain, you have all the abundance that comes from the country, from the north, from the south, from the east and the west that come into the centre. And being originally a city built to house the royal court, it has the best of everything and it has a lot of very simple pleasures. Madrid is quite a low city, so most buildings tend to be about more than about eight storeys high. There are four big skyscrapers in the north called the Cuatro Torres, and they're one of the most distinctive elements of the skyline. To the south, though, you have the palace and you have so many basilicas and cathedrals and their domes really dominate the city down that end. In between, you have all sorts of winding streets and the grand Paseo de la Castellana, the main street that runs from the north to the south of Madrid. We live in a barrio called Tetuan. Barrio is a neighbourhood. The beautiful thing about barrios in Madrid is that almost every one of them has a market or a mercado. I think there are about 46 of them. have been founded anywhere from the mid-19th century to some being quite recent. The Mercado de Puerta Bonita, beautiful door, for instance, was only uh, built in 2008. But they are at the centre of every neighbourhood, and certainly mine. We've just moved house, and of course, I'm literally next to my Mercado. But I can tell you a little bit about some of the places we've lived at, because when we came here, we didn't know anyone, and we wanted to try living in different neighborhoods to see what it was like. And the first market I really got to know was the Mercado de la Cebada, or the old barley market. And it's a beautiful little market in the middle of the oldest part of the city called La Latina. And this is the Spain of romance and literature and drama cobbled streets, little buildings, bright colours, flags hanging from different balconies and tapas bars pretty much underneath every nook and cranny. You'll find specialist dishes like snails, for instance, but then also jamonerias, places that sell jamon, crisp croquetas, and all sorts of vendors selling everything from shoes to flowers to hardware. It's a real mishmash. But in the middle is this Mercado de la Cebada. And the thing I love about it, apart from its brutal 1960s renovation, is the fish market at the bottom. Usually on the weekend, all the fishmongers get together after about 12 noon because, of course, you've done your shopping by then and it becomes this gigantic seafood degustation and everything gets chopped up, seasoned, parsley sprinkled over the top, a bit of garlic, and you have this amazing little feast You can buy little glasses of cider, little glasses of wine or sherry. We also had an incredible dish called huevos rotos, which is really just hot chips with little fried eggs placed on top and then maybe some jamon. 
all of it gets hot from the chips and your job or someone goes through with a fork and knife, cuts the whole thing up and you just pick at that, usually with a glass of wine. It's so simple. I don't know why I've never seen this anywhere else except Madrid. The next neighborhood we moved to after about a month, because for some crazy reason, we thought we should change neighborhood every month to get an idea as to what the city was like, was a neighborhood called Atocha. And Atocha is famous for the big grand railway station where all of the high-speed trains dock that go to all the four corners of Spain. But this area is also known for a market known as Anton Martin. And it's a much smaller market, but it's very exciting. And it's really interesting because on the bottom floor, you have meat, vegetables, ham, obviously it's its own category, fish, all the sorts of things you would expect from a market. And they've been there for decades, in many cases, generations. But then upstairs, you have some of the most exciting restaurants to be found in Madrid at the moment. One of them is a place called Doppelganger, where the chef had a Michelin star, got tired of the high-speed game and decided to open a market stall. Now he cooks a different menu almost every night, and you can dine like a king there and pay something like 30 euros for about eight little courses, which is almost unheard of. Moving along from there, we ended up living in a place called Arganzuela. So that's more in the south, right down by the river, because the southern border of Madrid is a river. And in this area, you had a little market called Santa Maria de la Cabeza. And it's a beautiful little market, not the sort of place you would really see tourists. But what was interesting about this market is outside of it are heaps of little cafeterias and cafes. And here you'd find groups, mostly retirees, I'm assuming, who would be meeting there pretty much every day for years. And you get a real sense of what a neighborhood is like when you see people doing that. But if you're coming to Madrid, I guess one of the first places you'll probably get taken to if you take a tour is the Mercado de San Miguel, St. Michael's Market. And it's a beautiful cast iron steel building full of tourist food, I have to say. And a lot of it is very pricey, very pre-made, and quite just not the sort of thing a Spaniard would really want you to go to. They'd tell you to keep walking. Admire the building, walk around the corner, and you'll probably find a lot of small bars and tabernas there that specialize in just garlic mushrooms, for instance. Or another place might have cocido, which is another emblematic dish of Madrid, basically a pot au feu, but with lots of chickpeas and noodles and all sorts of things. If you go around the corner again from that market, you'll find Federal, where you can get a proper Aussie flat white. And that's another luxury in this town. I think, though, one of the most exciting places for me in the city at the moment is the Mercado de Valhermoso. And you find that in the north. We live there after living in Atocha. And this market has places that are Michelin starred, that are little stalls in the market. And you have that mix of cutting-edge food sitting side-by-side with a great poultry seller, with a really good spice shop, with a really interesting fishmonger. And this, I guess, to me, is the living and breathing soul of what Madrid is about. It's a really wonderful way to meet people. And that's how we got our start here in Madrid, was meeting people who go to markets. Going to the market is probably a a twice-a-week thing for me. And on the weekend, it's probably also where I tend to hang out. On the weekend, most of them will close by two, which means you've got plenty of time to go to a museum, which is another thing Madrileños love to do. Of course, you've got the Prado, which really is one of the world's best art museums. You've got the Reina Sofia. And then, of course, you've got the Tissan Bormeza. And the three of them form the art triangle, or what they call here the Paseo de Prado. 
And people will take their time strolling from one to another. But there's no way you can ever look at any of these really in a day. In fact, each one cannot possibly be done in a day. Maybe with the exception of the COVID collections they have at the moment, which are much smaller, more spaced out, much more ventilation. But you have to book ahead. But if you're just in town or you're dreaming about wanting to see how art works with people around it, my tip is to go to the Reina Sofia. Book ahead, if you like, and go see the Guernica by Picasso. To me, one of the most amazing paintings and one of my favorites in Madrid. If you go there earlier in the day, having paid for your ticket and booked, you'll see it in a very quiet, serene, almost hallowed environment. But come 6 p.m., entry is free for two hours and the museum comes to life and people will stare will enjoy and revel in the artwork and the difference seeing a museum full of people versus one almost like a temple is really quite exciting so you're probably wondering what time people have dinner in spain and look it really is quite different one of the mottos, I think, for tourism here is Spain is different. And the reason that it is different is because Spain is in the wrong time zone. It should be in the same time zone as the UK. But that would mean having dinner at, I don't know, 7, 8 o'clock, and it's still quite bright at night. So Spaniards, and especially Madrileños, will have dinner at about 10 o'clock at night. And you'll generally think about dinner at 9 o'clock, you'll do something maybe at 10, but it won't be unusual to even have dinner at 11. But how do you survive that long? Well, the morning is usually a coffee, maybe something sweet, or it might be pan con tomate. Probably churros, if you have a good churreria nearby. But what madrileños like are porros. And those are much thicker churros and basically get more chocolate into your mouth in one hit. Then they'll have a huge lunch, and that'll be about 2 p.m. You'll definitely have to have a snooze. And no matter what anyone says, they do have siestas in Madrid. Finishing work, afternoon, time for aperitivo. And of course, if you're ordering a drink at a bar, you'll get a tapa. You don't pay for them. Some of them get a bit more interesting. If you pay one or two euros, you might get a prawn. You might get a couple of other really tasty nuggets. By then, really, are you really hungry? I don't know. That's why you wait till 10 and find out that you are. So Madrid is often something where people will only come for about three days. It's often a transit point. Maybe you've caught a train, maybe a flight leaves from here. And you can do a part of Madrid in three days, but really there's so much more to the city and so much more to scratch below the surface. And if you spend a week, if you spend two, there's a lot to see and a lot to do. And I hope I've encouraged you to come and visit. So thanks so much for having me. <laughs> 